1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast. Carolina falls to Kentucky 98 69 out in Vegas in a COVID game. Tar Heels did not show up at any point, maybe the last two minutes of the first half. We're, of course, sponsored by Johnny T shirt, JohnnyT shirt.com. Rate us, review us, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You get a notification that when we do things like this and like this today is something different. We decided um, earlier today we were going to do the post game pod live. Uh, like we do on The Beat Live. Gregory Hall and I were talking during Inside Carolina Live this morning at WCHL Studios, and it worked out well. Uh, Carolina lost by 29. We, we've got a – so Gregory's a first-timer. Sean Moran joins us of coast-to-coast fame. Sorry, Joey and Sherelle. We are uh, stealing him from you guys for a few minutes. Sean, I'll come to you first. Uh, we were slacking during this game, the good, the bad, the ugly. Let's sort of do it that way. Um, even in loss, but I think the good we can talk about is Armando Baycott. He appeared to be, and I'll, I'll defer to you guys, um, and I'll give y'all credit, he appeared to be the only Tar Heel that came to play today, had his struggles against the big man from Kentucky, but certainly the only Tar Heel that looked like he was interested in being out there.
2: Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with that, Tommy. Uh, he did have his, his struggles, and I think that you know, that's not the first time he struggled against somebody that he can't overpower. But at the same time, he, he was playing really the only guy playing at the same energy and intensity level as a Kentucky team. Uh, so he finished eight for 13 uh, from the field, 22 points and 10 rebounds. And, you know, when you're looking at the players, it was really the Kentucky guys and Armando on the same level. And then everybody else was a few notches below in terms of intensity and, and effort.
1: Yeah, it was uh, fascinating to watch Shibwe. I'll mess his name up when I've said it a million times. Uh, Just when he was out there, when he was able to stay out there, he was just dominant, completely dominant. Even though Carolina Haley was below his rebound average, um, Gregory, something that I noticed in this game that I did not notice uh, or that I did not notice today that I noticed against Michigan, when Michigan's big man got his second foul, of course, Calipari got his guy out today, but Carolina went straight at the big man for Michigan to get him off the floor because he was a game changer. He picked up mm-hmm. his third, then he picked up his fourth. They never were able to do that Um with Calipari's guy. It was the difference in the game, really. Or was it? Because Kentucky looked awfully good even without him on the floor.
0: Yeah, I think UNC had the luxury in that Michigan game where their guards were firing on all cylinders at that point. Um, and this one, when Tashibwe went out, Armando also kind of came out because he had picked up his second foul. Um, and so then it was just a matter of trying to get everyone else trying to go, and it just wasn't happening. Um, so UNC, I mean, they, they took a little bit of an advantage with Toshibue out. Um, they made that run late in the second half but it just goes back to the intensity factor here where Kentucky was just the better team for almost the entire 40 minutes. Um, And them being the better team isn't necessarily talking about their level of talent, but talking about how they played the game level of talent. And this, it didn't matter. Um, And it it was, they obviously had more than UNC did today. I mean, Walker had um, more than his season average at halftime. He was just exposing RJ Davis on the defensive end. Um, so just when she went out, UNC tried to get their guards going and they couldn't get it. Um, and that's why there was an 11 point deficit. And then to came back in and then they ended up losing by 29. Um, cause they just couldn't No, nobody could do a single thing in this game outside of Baycott. And then when Baycott was actually matched evenly, he couldn't really do anything either.
1: Sean, uh, We will talk about the bad and the ugly in a minute, Um, but talking about Wheeler. I mean, a lot of people talk about how R.J. Davis is undersized. It hampers him, and it does at times. It did not affect Wheeler at all, being the shortest guy on the court. I mean, he absolutely was dominant out there. He finished with 26, wanted to get his last another bucket to get his career high. But not only did he have 26 points himself, he had eight assists, just a complete yep. dominant performance by the little guy. Well,
2: I think, uh, you know, that was one of Kentucky's keys going into the game was, was looking for Wheeler. And they thought if Wheeler could get going, that would open things up for the team. Uh, they also knew that there is going to be, uh, you know, in, in today's age, in, in the analytical age, the mid-range is, is frowned upon, uh, but Kentucky knew that they were going to have ample opportunities in the mid range. Um, and and they definitely took advantage, especially Wheeler uh, hitting, hitting several early on. And, you know, you saw UNC at the very beginning just playing really five, you know, five feet off of him, which, you know, obviously packs the pain a little bit, but I think it, it also takes the edge out of the defense where you're not maybe mentally as engaged as you are, if you're, you're really up guarding the guy. And it also makes it easier uh, for him to, to kind of put pressure on and, and attack. And, you know, we were talking when we are talking about the difference in the game, you know, that I think it was a second or third possession. He, he picks up RJ. Another one of their focuses was, was, you know, getting up in RJ's grill and he he picked the ball from him for an easy layup. So, you know, he was a focus point for Kentucky and, and, you know, they, they executed their game plan and he, he did put a lot of pressure on, on UNC on both ends of the floor.
1: He did, and then right after the pick of R.J., R.J. comes back and gets the offensive foul. Now, there were a lot of hands going on the entire game, but Kentucky was able to get up in Carolina, I think, across the board. It wasn't just Wheeler on R.J. It was everybody, um, and if you looked at both ends of the floor, you had Carolina on the defensive end. There was a gap. Uh, unless there was a screen and roll or pick and roll, there was a four- and five-foot cushion on everybody. Maybe it's by design. Maybe it is. Kentucky was in Carolina's shirts, in those black uniforms the entire night, and they were unable to do anything on the offensive end. We've seen Carolina's defense as bad as it was today, Gregory, earlier in the season. I mean, it was a repeat of what we saw earlier in the season, uh, really ending uh, the defensive effort in the Tennessee game. It changed after that until today. But Carolina's offense – did, did you see an offensive performance like this coming? They didn't shoot terrible. They shot 44%, 43% from the game, but one for 13 from three. Carolina will not win many ball games at all if they cannot hit 30, 35, 40% of their threes.
0: Right. Well, the thing that I was looking at, and um, Sean and I were kind of talking about this before we went live here, was that, yeah, I mean, they shot abysmal from three Um, one for 13 is not going to get it done. But even if they had gone six for 13, that wasn't getting going to get it done either. And I wrote after the Elon game, which was their worst offensive shooting performance of the season. Yes, it's Elon. So take, which I think plays a role here in that game. When the shots weren't falling, they found other ways to manufacture offense and to win the game. They got out in the fast break they got offensive rebounds and got up on second chance points and they drove, got fouled and got to the free throw line. They tried to do things they understood that what they were doing was not good enough and wasn't going to win them the ball game. So they made the they they won ugly, right? And after the game, Caleb Dawson, they're all like this showed that we can win ugly. Well, today that's the shots were not falling early. And they got the ball to Armando. Give them credit for that. But no one else could get to the rim. When they got to the rim, they went up soft and couldn't finish. Um, And they got bullied on the offensive glass. It was an 11-0 deficit in offensive rebounds at one point. I think they finished, what was it, 16-5? Yeah, or 17-6. So you're losing the second chance points battle 15-6. You got outworked in the paint 54-36. Um, so even with Armando having a good game, they're still getting outworked in the paint by 18 points with Armando having 22,
1: um, with six rebounds, free throws and rebounds 44 to 26. So somebody find me a stat, Greg Barnes, find me a stat when Carolina was out rebounded by 18.
0: Right. Okay, okay. So yeah, the All shots right. weren't falling, but they've shown in other games that they understand what to do when that doesn't happen. They didn't do that today. Not, not one bit.
1: Somebody in the chat um, brought up uh, Hubert's remarks after the Tennessee game that said that that effort will never happen again. Yeah, I'll save that for a few minutes from now. But let's talk about the bad. Um, the good Baycott, he played well. He brought the intensity. The bad, Sean, is this team just doesn't have athleticism. We knew that. We've talked about that on all these podcasts. But when you couple that without – the effort and the drive um, and the focus and all uh, it could be as ugly as it can get for North Carolina and it all manifested itself today after the Tennessee game after it would never happen again well that's just not how it works with 18 to 22 year olds and here we are talking about a 29 point loss
2: yeah I think Kentucky from an athleticism perspective was able to get into the paint they're able to attack uh better and we talked about it defensively they're able to get up in everybody. And, you know, really when you're looking at the point guards uh, you know, they put a little bit of size and length and speed on, on RJ and he was rendered pretty much ineffective in the first half and, and love who had been playing fantastic uh, up until this point, you know, he was, he was struggling take, taking a little, you know, almost like last year, taking some, a little bit more from a difficulty perspective um, as well as not being able to get into the paint. And as a result, the, the guards were one for 10. You know, you have Leaky, who's been having a great season, uh, but at the same time, he hasn't been asked to to do a lot offensively. And when you have the guard struggling, now it's a little more important to have have a three man that can that can help uh, offensively, which wasn't the case. And and then from the four perspective, um, you know th- they weren't they weren't able to take advantage of that uh, I'd say mismatch offensively. Um, so athletically. Kentucky was just able to dictate uh, the pace and they were able to dictate what they wanted to do uh, throughout the course of the game.
1: You talking about a three man and and maybe he plays a two, maybe he just plays a wing, but Kellen Grady looked mighty good too for Kentucky as well. Five for seven from three points to Davidson transfer. I I think, a big thing for this game that folks, when they think of Kentucky and Sean, correct me if I'm wrong, this Kentucky team's not just five freshmen. Like it has been the last few years, these guys have experienced, um, and, and Calipari saw that he saw, he could not live off the one and done route. So he goes and gets a ton of transfers and they were able to, they came out ready to play the schedule changed. They, you know, they, they prepared for a different team than Carolina, um, you know, just like Carolina prepared for UCLA, but they were able to do that with their experience that these guys brought Gregory, which brings me to the ugly. And that's the meltdown, the disconnect between what Carolina needs to do to be really good versus what they did. I think the last two minutes of the first half, we saw what this team could do and that was it. Why?
0: I'm looking at nine assists on 23 made baskets. And I think that kind of leads to the off the ball effort that was not there. Um, you knew you guys were, your teammates were struggling um, to create, to get, make, get shots fall. So you have to try to produce easy baskets. The way to do that, back bat cuts, right. Rolling off screens, better um, executing off the ball in a way that allows free flowing ball movement. We've seen this team at their best the ball is flowing freely around the perimeter. Someone drives kicks, right? Um, I mean, those are the highlights that you see. and You're like, okay, this new spacing offense is really working. You can't point out more than maybe two plays from this game. Maybe not even at all. Um, There was, I remember there was one play. I think Armando took it low, got double teamed, and then dumped it off to manic easy bounce pass for two. That was the easiest bucket. Um, all night, and it was probably the only easy bucket that they got in the entire 40 minutes. i probably wrong on that, but just going off Leakey what I
1: saw. Had a, yeah, Leakey had a similar right. uh, roll to the rim and got an easy one like that.
0: But nine assists on 23 baskets is not good, especially when your jump shots are not falling, right? And, and if you have nine assists on 27 baskets, right, and they're shooting much better from three, you'll be like, okay, the shots went in, still need to work on ball movement. But when you lose by 29 and you're on nine, sh- nine assists on 23 baskets, you point to the lack of effort moving off the ball. And that's, I haven't even talked about effort on the defensive end yet. That's just the effort on the offensive end when you're trying to get back in the game. Um, so I don't really, I'm curious to see where what Hubert says in his post game um, because he did make that statement after the Tennessee game that this would, that would never happen again. Um, we're not even a month. I, we might be a month. Are we even a month after that? I don't even think we're a month past that where it's happened again. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they, where they go next and how they can get, turning around for, uh, app state moving forward. What do you, how do you think Sean, that, 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 that happens?
2: Well, I mean, I think the one, one scary thing is that, you know, with the, besides app state, you know, the, the out of conference is done. Uh, they played, I'd say, you know, several solid teams with Michigan being their only victory. And I think at the end of the year. Michigan probably might be on the bubble. I don't think they're a very good team. Uh, and when you have losses to Purdue and then blowout losses to Tennessee and Kentucky, um, they, you know, they really haven't beat anybody. And, you know, you're going into ACC that is is fairly, fairly down, uh, which could give them an opportunity to get some wins. But at the same time, you know, when they did play Michigan, they came out very focused defensively. And even though they struggled offensively, that carried over until they were able to get going. Uh, But, you know, they're going to have to do that almost every game to have kind of that intensity uh, because, you know, they're not going to be afforded a lot of slip-ups once conference play begins.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, you play like that at Notre Dame, you're going to lose. I mean, this Kentucky team lost to Notre Dame. Wheeler did nothing against Notre Dame. Uh, so Kentucky learned that Sean, the, the, the issues that I see, the athletic, athleticism is not going to change. It's just not all year. Uh, I mean, you can play done in styles and get some more athletic guys out there and they got a little bit of run today, but I don't see it changing too much over the course of the season. What is correctable? You would hope is what we're talking about here. The effort, the intensity Uh, and being ready to play. And Gregory made a great point. The offensive end is one thing, but when you have it on both ends of the floor, I mean, it goes hand in hand, but this is just a disaster. So put yourself in Hubert Davis's shoes. I mean, like you mentioned, they've played, what, four ranked teams. They've lost to three of them. They beat Michigan. Like you said, Michigan could be good. I think they're similar to Carolina um, in that they could be good, but they don't play well when they need to. What's, what's coach Davis tell this team after this game
2: well I mean knowing Co- coach Davis obviously he'll be you know still being positive in general but once again it's it's another wake-up call um you know I think once again it was a lack of, you know those those are coachable things in terms of, of focus and intensity uh, you know they they only won one four minute stanza the whole whole game and it, it was really that second, second one from you know the 16 minute to the 12 minute where they got score outscored eight nothing um and I think part of that is is it's you know he says it's just still a young team you know some of that is, is maybe taking a time out and and trying to get in the guys early on rather than you know letting them play out and it's it's too late um you know but what you know what is he going to do you know I think one thing I would like to see is is just a longer leash on on Kerwin I know he he is not really done anything this year um, he had a turnover in the first half this game and I, I still think with his shooting you know this could have been a game where you knew the guards were struggling and you bring him in get him a few shots and maybe he gets going and he's kind of that spark plug that is needed but I still think you know he's going to be a guy that they can hopefully lengthen the leash on because he is such a score but at the same time he seems to be in Hubert's doghouse and is not a contributor uh, this year
0: yeah DeMarco Dunn played more minutes than Kerwin did and DeMarco, I mean, DeMarco looked solid in his minutes that he was out there, but you can't tell me he produces a larger, uh, he has a higher potential for a spark than Kerwin does, regardless of how Kerwin's pl- I know Kerwin has not played well so far this season, um, but still.
1: It, it's something we'll watch. I mean, people are talking about the plus minus on the message boards. I'm looking at it here on the stat sheet. Uh it's never gonna be good <laughs> when I mean, it's uh
0: <laughs> Baycott's minus twenty-seven, he put up twenty-two points, you know.
1: Yeah. Garcia minus thirty-two, Caleb Love minus thirty. Who's got the best one? Dunn's at uh, zero. Yeah. DeMarco Dunn uh in his nine minutes, he's at uh, zero. Even so that's the best on the it's it's unbelievable. Let's wrap this one up. Carolina Falls to Kentucky, App State coming up, then Virginia Tech, who's another good team who has not played well. So what's there to accomplish, Gregory? I I mean, the the lack of whatever we saw there is just inexcusable. That can't happen. Uh, I mean, that just cannot happen from a Carolina basketball team. Now we've seen it at least twice against decent teams. I don't think Tennessee or Kentucky are elite. They certainly made – Carolina made them look elite, and maybe they will be at the end. But Carolina stands at 8-3, and not bad record but with no quality wins going into the ACC play after App State.
0: I'm worried, obviously, coming out slow in the first half was an issue, but I'm worried about more figuring out why coming out in the second half was the exact same way that you came out in the first half, figuring out why that happened, because that shows just no fight. Um, You're down 11, fine. You're down 11, but you're 0-7 from three. There is potential to come back and win that game just based off of that those facts alone. Um, but then you end up getting blown doors blown off of you and you get outplayed by 18 points in the second half after you knew what Kentucky was doing they were going to Walker. Um, he had a great first half he had a great second half. Yes toshiebway came back in there. I understand that um, but still I, I, that's what I'm looking at and trying to figure out before the next game and next couple of games is why was the second half why did the second half energy? match the first half energy when the first half energy was that
1: bad sean i'll let you wrap it since you're new to the post game pod carolina falls that you got to draw something from it um is it a lesson is it a wake-up call you know how many wake-up calls do you need what what positive can you possibly pull and, and gregory mentioned the second half carolina gave up 58 points in the second half did that i didn't even realize that (laughs) yeah 40 in the first 58 in the second sean what's a positive what what is a a hope we try to sell hope at times
2: (laughs) well i might be the wrong person for for that but in terms of (laughs) in in terms of hope um look I, i think we were talking about this Right before we got on against Elon and Furman, you know, on defense, they were were, they were kind of being a little lackadaisical in terms of just trying to get some easy steals for breakout dunks. And I think that came back to to bite them when when that didn't happen today. So I think it can be a wake up call to once again, uh, you know, focus a little bit more um, and. I still think they're, you know, offensive, offensively, the ball still needs to move better. Um, so I think that can at least allow after App State, there's a week of practice to, to work, on, work on things. Um, you know, I, I think athletically in the ACC, uh, they should be able to match up with, with pretty much any team from, from that standpoint. But, you know, I, I think they need to take just, you know, a few plays where they, they did play well. One in one mind is when RJ actually, you know, pushed, pushed the tempo. Um, got into the lane, but he didn't force a, 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 a bad shot. He, he dribbled it out, but it, but it was able to kind of put pressure on defense and they're able to get a good shot out of that possession. And I think for them, they need to be the aggressors versus you know, reacting to what a team is doing on both sides of the ball.
1: Indeed. and It felt like Carolina panicked across the board when Kentucky started playing really well. And, and that's something that they got to figure out to be able to settle down. They've got to find a guy that can settle them down um Baycott's not going to do it from the five position or from the interior one of the guards has got to be able to settle the team down get good shots not rush shots and and try to get some sort of flow to settle everybody down because if the shots aren't falling and the other team's blitzing you out that's where the leadership on the court comes from uh, that we'll talk about all year and we've talked about up until now Carolina falls by 29 to Kentucky out in Vegas It's been our first edition of the post-game podcast live. As long as Gregory Hall gets the wheels rolling correctly, this stuff goes off without a hitch. As soon as he flips me the keys, I can't promise anything. Gregory, appreciate it. Sean, appreciate it.